but like I'm in Shia LaBeouf ride mode right now. I'm like, do it, just do it. <laughs> So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Is it Thanksgiving? No, it's just the NFC North. Hey, so we got Connor here, we've got Sean. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? I have moved house, and it is exactly as I expected it would be. Excellent. Uh, Do you want to give us any details? (laughs) (laughs) Waterford is a city in the southeast of Ireland with a population (laughs) of, I don't know, yeah, so this week we'll be looking at the NFC North, previewing the teams in there and seeing how we think they're going to go. It's been an interesting turnaround, a lot of change happening in this division. Our now podcast favourite Lions resurging, Packers with a lot of change going on, and the Bears doing interesting things, but I think we're going to be a bit split on what the end result of that's going to be. So I suppose we'll kick off straight away into the Bears. They've added off and tackle Darnell Wright, Nate Davis at guard, then other offensive additions, DJ Moore, Tyler Scott, Deonta Foreman, Roshan Johnson and Robert Tanyan on the defensive side Tremaine Edwards TJ Edwards Dylan Cole Noah Sewell uh, Tyreek Stevenson Demarcus Walker Rasheem Grant Andrew Billings Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens they've lost David Montgomery Nikhil Harry Byron Pringle Ryan Griffin Riley Reef, Michael Schofield and Trayvon Wesco from the offensive side on the defensive side they've lost Alqua Muhammad Armand Watts Mike Pennell Angelo Blackson Matt Adams Nick Morrow Joe Thomas DeAndre Houston Carson and Dane Cruikshank. This is a team that was a bit confusing to watch last year. They had a lot of turnover. Fields started to do interesting things for them. He added a large element with his legs, a good bit of improvisational stuff going on. Kind of solidified that at least in the immediacy, he's who they're going to be rolling with and he's who they're going to try and build around. There were large questions outstanding though about how good of a passer he actually was and whether or not it's sustainable to build an offensive around that so I suppose we're going to see they've added a lot of pieces to try and help him out obviously Darnell Wright coming in on the tackle position and Nate Davis at guard to try and solidify that offensive line for them they in a trade picked up DJ Moore to try and provide them with a WR1 uh, Deontay Foreman coming in at running back they've also added pieces like Robert Tunyon at tight end who you know it's always good to take someone from a divisional rival I suppose but there'd be question marks about it. he's never really reached the heights of where people were hoping that he would reach when he was drafted they have the less of the St. Browns playing there. So, like I said, Justin Fields, very exciting, very good fantasy player, maybe more so than we were getting in actual football performance last year, but showed a lot of upside. Like I said, they've got a bit of a confusing running back room at the moment with like Khalil Herbert kind of penciled in as the top runner, but they've got Deonta Foreman who's been brought in and Roshan Johnson, who's the rookie, I think fifth rounder who's sitting in behind there. DJ Moore at wide receiver Chase Claypool who they picked up in trade last year and really underperformed in this position as well as Darnell Mooney and then like we said beyond that we've kind of got the lesser St. Brown, Tanyan and that stuff. Tight end Cole Komet had a good year last year but that was possibly to do with the fact that Justin Fields wasn't the most confident of passers, wasn't going down the field and was kind of happier with his tight end so whether that performance will continue who knows and a, a somewhat makeshift offensive line but they have tried to bring in pieces to try and solidify that so it's an offense that has potential but the question is are they going to change how they approached it last year last year was i think they had the lowest or second lowest pass rate in the league they had a lot of rushes they had a lot of design scrambles they had a lot of options where it was just the quarterback going for it so will fields add a more consistent pass game to it will be able to make use of the likes of dj moore in that offense that's a that's a big question eberflus has some interesting if young pieces on the defense to try and work with here there's a lot of rookies fighting to try and get into this so you know there's some names you'd know like Demarcus Walker Eddie Jackson people like that on the back end and then like a lot of rookies trying to work into their defensive line so they've got the likes of Billings and Jones who are established but so-so players and you've got Dexter and Pickens as rookies trying to push their way in there they've got a nice linebacker core but it's you know, it's an interesting set of defensive players that they've kind of got skill sets that don't necessarily fit into some of the more modern defensive concepts. So I'll be intrigued to see what they get out of it. 
they also don't have any big key cornerstone piece to to hang their hat on there. Obviously, they had previously and they traded from the Raiders, but then traded them on. But, you know, this is not a defense that's going to amaze us unless something major happens from Eberflus. But it could be solid enough. And particularly if they can get this hodgepodge of people at running back going and they can do a kind of a ball control offense and basically try and outmaneuver and outcontrol the other team, which isn't necessarily what we saw from them last year. That could be an interesting way for them to play it, give themselves lots of breathing room on defense and kind of hope to just be in relatively short, lower scoring games. It's a tough one to call because I look at this Bears team and I see a lot of fun potential if people take the next step. So if the quarterback fields can take the next step, I think that's going to be very exciting because I found him very exciting to watch last year, but I also somewhat terrifying because he did remind me a little bit of running quarterbacks who overuse that element of their game and get themselves injured. And I'd like to see him do a little bit more through the air, frankly, particularly now they've got a few more weapons. It's not a murderer's row of weapons, but it's enough that you would hope he'd be able to, to show a little bit more out of it. I'm hemming and hawing because I've kind of I've swung a little bit more towards the upside. I like the idea of what you could do with these pieces. The problem is I'm not sure they all fit together. I'm not sure picking up DJ Moore as a wide receiver one fills the type of hole that they think to me would be the logical next step for Fields. I would have thought it would have been a better offensive lineman. I thought it might have been a more clear bell cow running back to sit behind them or something to build in that direction. But they have their plan. They're going to stick to it. I'm skewing on the positive side of this plan working, but I know that both of you guys are skewing a little bit more negatively on this. So who wants to take the counterpoint of maybe the Bears are figuring something out here? Well, I think you underestimate how bad they were last year, right? Like they're... Oh, I know they were bad. (laughs) Was that they had no quality in the trenches. So on the offense, they had probably the worst offensive line in the league. And that basically meant that Justin Fields didn't have a chance to develop into a proper quarterback. He didn't have enough time to pass the ball. He didn't barely enough time to hand the ball off to the running back. So basically what you had was Justin Fields having like two seconds to do real football. And then once the offensive line broke down and the defensive line was in his face, do magic Justin Fields bullshit. And the magic Justin Fields bullshit was pretty fucking magic. Let's be perfectly frank. Some of the plays that he had were absolutely ridiculous. Like stuff that would make Lamar Jackson or Pete Russell Wilson blush. Just like ridiculous stuff. But of course, you can't build an offense around just, hey, go out there and do magic bullshit, please. You need to have actual, you know, talent on the offense. And I think the thing is they don't, like, you know, the expectations are as low as they possibly could be. And what they've done is they're, okay, we're going to make a substantive investment into our offense. So, you know, they got the number one pick overall. They traded that away. They got DJ Moore from Carolina for it. And then they still managed to pick up. Uh, tackle in the first round alongside that and they picked up Nate Davis in uh, free agency so now they go from having one good offensive lineman uh, their left tackle Braxton Jones was actually pretty good for them last year it was like a rare bright spot to now having maybe two maybe three good offensive linemen and then you have guys like Tevin Jenkins or Cody Whitehair or Lucas Patrick who can compete in the inside and Tevin Jenkins is a guy who was drafted fairly high a couple of years ago didn't really live up to his reputation as a tackle, but he is was known to be a nasty offensive tackle. And so maybe kicking him inside, getting him in more road grading type form makes sense for him. And so, you know, you add in DJ Moore. Like, is he the best wide receiver one in the league? No, but he's a damn sight better than some combination of Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. And once you put Claypool and Mooney, and maybe Tyler Scott, the rookie, or, or maybe even the lesser St. Brown, as you say, you know, they can be wide receiver three type options. I think, like, if... Claypool is your wide receiver three, you're probably okay. And I think even if he fails in that situation, you can probably get away with it. So for me, like the offense, it's hard to imagine the offense being worse because you saw Justin Fields can do magic bullshit even in the worst, absolutely worst situation that you could be as a quarterback. If it's any way better, then all the normal things that should work for a team, like the run game and the pass game, should be better. And therefore the offense should make a qualitative step up in terms of quality and certainly in watchability outside those magic plays from uh, Justin Fields. So I think it's hard not to be optimistic on that front. For me, then, the bigger question is, Matt Eberflus obviously is a defensive coordinator uh, from Indianapolis. Like He's got, obviously, the defense is supposed to be his like strength. And obviously, they said, we're going to invest all of the money and draft picks in the offense, and we're going to trust our head coach alongside Alan Williams, the DC, to see what they can make out of this defensive lot. But it's a very untalented defense overall. Up front, very untalented, like Justin Jones, 
is like probably the biggest veteran ever. He's not really even good. Marcus Walker and like Dominic Robertson, Travis Gibson. These are your pass rushers. These are like all middle guys at best overall. Maybe one of them can break out, but I don't really see it happening. Picked up the one area that you can actually improve in free agency in the linebacker core by bringing in Edwards and Edmonds. So that's definitely going to help them against the run and potentially even against like tight ends and wide receiver trees and stuff like that. And the defensive backfield is probably the strength of the defense on paper, at least. Like Eddie Jackson's the guy who is solid. Jaquan Brisker is a guy who's the developing Jalen Johnson's been developing and Tyreek Stevenson was a guy that people were very high on in the draft process so that's a guy who you know we'll see if he can live up to that situation there or you see more Kyler Gordon defensive line is such a huge weakness here still that I can't imagine the defense being great but I think if it's bottom 10 again then I think Eberflus there will be questions about him overall he'll probably get at least one more year just because of the quarterback situation and all that but I imagine he'll be on the hot seat next season if the defense continues to be the stinking mess it was last year and like maybe it's not his fault because you know how much can you do with a bad defensive line but that's you know your defensive coordinator that's just the, the hand you've been dealt but I think overall you have to be more optimistic about this team and there's a lot of upside here because you know if all these things come together they will at least hopefully be an exciting team but I think the defense is still a huge huge question mark and the offense will be better but I don't think it's going to certainly turn into like a top 10 offense so overall they're just to me feel you know average but for a team that was in such a hole last year and which is going through a major rebuild that's probably good enough I struggled honestly to see what there is to get excited about in this Bears team obviously the Justin Fields factor is there's the one thing that you can stand out and say that guy is a superstar or that guy can be a superstar but the entire rest of the roster is like absent explosively talented players on either side of the ball and so there is an awful lot on this one guy's shoulder and there are question marks over his passing game again you got that surprise factor that we talked about last week is going to be a thing again teams are going to now have plans for Justin Fields they're going to have plans to try and deal with this chaos offense you just have to think about maybe how quickly teams adjusted to the Kyler Murray chaos offense in the Cardinals and once teams figured out that there were patterns in the chaos they could counteract and I feel the fields might be coming up against that again so he's going to be reliant on people like DJ Moore and and Chase Claypool and I I just wonder if that's the kind of the talent level that's going to be able to be really helpful to him so the Bears offense will probably be slightly better than last year but I, I can't see them being spectacularly better and I think their defense is actually really bad and I think the numbers it may not feel that way when you watch a Bears game but the underlying numbers say that this Bears defense is pretty terrible I think they were last in the league in points allowed last year and they haven't really other than the Edmonds and Edwards pickups really addressed that I mean they've probably addressed the running game problems but they have huge deficiencies I think in the passing game that's going to require their secondary to have spectacular years which is possible again but I I struggle to see how they're going to do it so I just can't be upbeat about this team because I can't really see what there is to be upbeat about unless Justin Fields has the most amazing breakout second year thing ever this Bears team is going to be pretty bad I think in a division in which there are two maybe three teams with ideas about themselves being a playoff team they're going to struggle I think to win many games certainly they'll be better than last year but you have to remember they were literally the worst team in the league last year even though watching them in reds it never felt like they were the worst team in the league it felt like they was this is a pretty bad team but they're getting better and they're improving and they're picking taking scalps no literally the worst team in the league last year there'll be exciting red zone moments and justin fields will do a few things that make our jaws drop but will that translate into lots of wins probably not i'm very down on this team unfortunately no fair and like i said i think these are all quite valid concerns around them and i think the, the downside is probably that kind of five, six win kind of, it just doesn't work for them. I like the idea that I, I, I quite like the rookie Roshan Johnson. I think he'll pair well with them. I think they might get a little bit messy in how they how long it takes for them to work out what the what the running back rotation is going to look like and stuff like that. And I just I I I find I find Fields very exciting to watch and I think he can we've we've seen recently that like quarterbacks with a bit of running in them and a bit of improvisation in them can win a couple more games than they should. I have a relatively given they had such a disaster last year, a relatively soft schedule. They have some winnable games on there. And I think if they can just edge one or two more, they're going to push themselves into something uh, exciting. And that in mind, I've given I've given a ballsy shout on this one, which is why I took the Bears for my analysis. I have them going 11 and 6, getting the 6 seed, going out in the wild card round, but actually getting a playoff berth out of this. <laughs> You gotta go big. Go big or go home. I, I, that's what I always say. 
in the NFC, there's going to be one or two teams that make the playoffs that are probably not being that good. And the Bears, when you improve the skill positions and you improve the trenches, that can make a big difference very quickly. But I have them going 7 and 10. I think there's still too many holes for them to be a genuine contender. But I think, as I said, the expectations are so low. For everyone except for the coach, who I think might be in the hot seat. It's all moving towards, hopefully, a, a brighter future. Yeah, got a 6 and 11, which I think is doubling their win total from last year, but still only about the 12th best team in the NFC. I can see a world in which they get some momentum and suddenly things are clicking and they have just this season where they pull together a number of wins. But I do think it's one of... It's, of all the possible universes, it's a, it's a minority of those universes. Next, we'll move on and have a look at the Lions. Sean, I'm going to come to you on these guys. On the defensive side, they've added Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, CJ Gardner-Johnson, and Brian Branch. They've also added Jack Campbell, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Broderick Martin, and Christian Covington. On the offensive side, David Montgomery pops over from the Bears alongside Jamar Gibbs, the rookie. Jake Laporta, the rookie tight end. Marvin Jones, Graham Glasgow, and Hen Hooker. They did a big switch up in the backfield and got rid of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, Justin Jackson as well, and wide receivers DJ Chark. Evan Brown, Dan Skipper off the offensive line from the defensive side. They lost Jeff Akuda, Armani Akuare, Mike Hughes, Deshaun Elliott, Chris Board, Gerard Davis, Josh Davis, Michael Brockers, and Austin Bryant. These were... One of our favourite teams of the last year or two, Sean. We love the mindset of the coaching. We like the players. We like pretty much everything to do with them, including just the kind of the slight Cinderella-ness of the story that was going on last year. Do we expect these high expectations to continue into this year, or do we think they are starting to hit their crest? This is a really interesting team because I think if you compare... The analysis we gave of the Giants last week, where I, where I talked about they didn't take the next step forward, even though they had a, an interesting season. I think the Lions have done that. I think that they have built on what they've, they had last year and they've picked up in a very interesting spots, especially on the defensive side, that I think is going to be what, what pushes this team to the next level. When we think about the Lions, I think we should just wipe out or forget the, 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 like the first seven games last season where they were 1-6, despite the fact their offense was scoring like 30 points a game because they seem to have literally the worst defense I've ever seen in my entire life. But then sometime around early November, they started to figure things out. Dan Campbell began to realize what he had. He began to develop Aiden Hutchinson as edge rusher. The defense turned a corner. They got some players back who had been injured and suddenly things were clicking very quickly. And this is a team that went from one and six to being nine and eight to missing out on the playoffs only by virtue of the fact that they had lost to the Seahawks in week four back in the in the dark old times. This is a team that went into the last week of the season knowing that they couldn't make the playoffs, but damn it, they were not going to let the Packers get there either. And they absolutely owned them. That's the team that we love. We, the Lions are an exciting team because it feels like this is a project that has been coming together for a number of years. They've, that they work so hard and they clearly love their coach and there's a really good camaraderie. And now it feels like they've got all those things, plus they're starting to put the pieces in place to take that next step forward. The addition of players like Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, I really like the addition of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I, I think that really bulks up their on their defensive side and it gives them the kind of strength that they have. They've already got a powerful front seven with, with players uh, like Hutchinson doing some uh, exciting things and now they've added that aspect to it. So I think this is looking like potentially a really interesting defensive side that is, that is probably going to take some scalps. And then you add that to an offense that maybe isn't quite where you know an elite team needs to be. There's obviously going to be questions about how good Jared Goff actually is. He's his numbers suggest that he's beginning to learn how to be, you know, a, an upper mid-level NFL quarterback. That he's learning from his mistakes. He's making fewer and fewer terrible throws. He's learned which parts of the system work for him and which don't. And he's beginning to feel a little bit more like that one season uh, in the Rams where he was good until the Super Bowl where he was horribly exposed as a fraud. But up until that point, he had a really good season, that one really good season with the Rams. It kind of feels like he's beginning, at least on a conference level, to build back that way again. But now the pressure's on a little bit because obviously the Vikings are not quite as good as their record suggested last year. The Packers are in a transitional season. So this division is theirs for them if they want to take it. And it's going to be on Jared Goff's shoulder to make things good. But 
I like some of the pieces that they've added. David Montgomery running back quite good. They've obviously got Amon St. Brown, who's the more exciting of the St. Browns, the guy you love to see uh, on red zone. They've got a really strong O-line, I think. Uh, people like Panay Sewell have really stepped up. Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker. There's a, there's a real strength in that O-line that I think can protect the offense and allow Goff the time he needs to make the right decisions because his problem is he sometimes when he rushes it, he makes absolutely terrible decisions when he's not thinking properly. But I think the Lions have given him a scenario where he can make the right decisions and he's got exciting players around him that can make things work. So the offense, I think, will be as exciting as it was last year at its best and, and that could be a really good thing to watch. And I think the defense, they bulked up where they needed to. They filled the gaps where they needed to. And I now think there's a, there's a solidity to this Lions team which I don't think I've ever seen in a Lions team. I think genuinely difficult to remember a time when I've been this upbeat about the Detroit Lions because they've been a laughingstock for a number of years. And even when they had good years under Jim Caldwell, when they made those playoffs those two years, it was largely because they had like, you know, the most ridiculous, talented wide receiver in history. Uh, they were kind of carrying all the other pieces around them. But now this feels like a well-established team where all the pieces are starting to come into place and there's a real excitement about them. And this is their chance. This is their season. This is their breakout season. This is their win the division season, go deep in the playoffs, take some scalps, and who knows, maybe make a championship game kind of thing. So I'm rooting for them and I'm going to love to, to watch them happen. They, they've still got flaws, but that's what's lovable about teams like this, like the, the Jags to a certain extent as well is that they've got some mistakes so they're going to be exposed in certain ways but when the things click this team is going to be really exciting and really good and I think they're going to be very hard to beat because um, they've got all the talent in the right places protecting all the talent that maybe isn't uh, is quite what it needs to be the big question is can Jared Goff have another solid season and will that be enough with all the pieces around him to get them to the 10 11 12 wills they're going to need to win this division yeah I like this team but like I'm in Shia LaBeouf right mode right now I'm like do it. Just do it. No more taking half the fucking season off. No more fucking losing games in tragic circumstances. No more the defense turning into papier-mâché at random times. It's time. The rest of your division is rebuilding. They're going through stuff. You have all the talent you need in the world. You're dominant in the trenches. There's no excuses anymore. The happy-go-lucky, plucky Detroit Lions stuff does not cut it. They need to win this year and there are no excuses if they fail to do so. I love me some Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell seems like a cool guy to hang around with. So does Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, and Ben Johnson seems he's good at his job as defensive coordinator. But these guys need to show that they can do consistently, that they're not just the players' best friends, but that they're guys who can prepare their players to win NFL games from week one to week 18 into the playoffs. Because if everything fell right for this team, they could take some scalps in the playoffs. I don't think they're Super Bowl ready quite yet, probably because of the quarterback position where Jared Goff, until ev- unless everything's perfect around him like he had with the Rams, it's hard to see him in a Super Bowl. But they're a good team and a weak conference in a weak division. There are no more excuses right now. You have one of the best offensive lines in the league, either one or two in the conference, certainly alongside the Eagles. There's no reason why, even if Jared Goff is having a bad game, that you shouldn't be able to run it down the other team's throat with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. There's no, you know, even though they're kind of light at wide receiver, they have all the things they need there to control the game, to dominate possession. And their defense, with all the investments that they made in the defensive backfield, in Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, and Mosley, all guys who I like in particular because they all bring the right attitude. They're all aggressive. They all want to make big plays. Like Cam Sutton's a guy who gets up in your face. He's someone who can make plays uh, as even as a pass rusher occasionally. So those are all there and you have Aiden Hutchinson there. You have a good cabal of other pass rushers, guys like Charles Harris and Aquara, the two Aquaras, and James Houston was one of the revelations last year in a bit part role of defensive line. And you have Jack Campbell, the new rookie linebacker uh, to go with Anzalone and Malcolm Razee redirects who played well for them so there just are no more excuses for this team i don't want to hear go lucky whatever you need to go out and do it other than that i love the team i love the culture i love the things i'm not hot in jared goff and the wide receiver two position is a problem but based on everything that's happening here no excuses just get it done yeah like i was quite confused in the offseason about about the running back position in particular like I thought they were getting great performances out of Williams and Swift and they were working well as a tandem and yeah I was kind of I was wondering like is this going to be a push because Montgomery fine Jameer Gibbs very exciting and then I kind of the more I thought about it more I was like no like this is an interesting builder going they're kind of going for look part of the success last year was Goff having a good season a, a particularly good season for him and 
I don't know whether you can rely on that. And I think it's good that they did the internal self-scouting of going, do you know what, maybe that's not what we need to build ourselves through. If we can get our big, angry defense working like it did towards the back end of the season, then we can just lean more on the running game. And they obviously said, well, what we want is someone a bit more explosive in Jamar Gibbs to bring him in and we need someone to back up him back him up or maybe to, to, to be the front man for the first couple of weeks in, in Montgomery but I, I like that kind of build and the build in the line that like the line is looking pretty tasty there as well and like you're right there's holes in the roster I'd like another tight end in there I'd like to have another wide receiver in there but like you know Jones is Jones is a fine addition into that room they've got Alan Ra there who's who was great last year I think that there's a load of potential in this thing and even with Jared Goff there like they were able to get a lot out of them, even if they can't get quite that much. If they can get a good established run game, they've got the weapons there for a lot of play action stuff. They've got the line there for it. So like it, it is kind of a question of can Aaron Glenn get the defense running like it was towards the tail end and keep it at that level for the season. But I think the sky's the limit for them. And I also think that this is a big year for them. And it's a huge year for Jared Goff, I think, as well, because I think this year will decide he's the next replaced piece in this team. And I think that we'll, we'll see what the pressure does to him because he performed well last year and that was kind of what the implication was there. If he responds well to that pressure, this could be this could be a fantastic year for them. Or he could crumble and it could be, well, I guess we're waiting till next year. But I'm thinking more on the positive because I trust this coaching staff to have, who have already shown they can get a lot out of these players to then also be able to manage that, even if it starts to go a little bit sideways, to get them back on track and kind of, you know, inspire them and direct them in the right direction. So I think this is great. I actually, I, I, I was a hair's breadth away from giving them one more step up the ladder as well from where I actually put them in this. I've got them going 12 and 5, taking the third seed, so winning the division, and getting knocked out in the NFC Championship game to the Eagles. And I was a, I was a hair's breadth away from the ankle biter's actually getting it done and making it to the Super Bowl. Although I think inevitably losing if they did get there. I'm all in on the Lions this year. I think they're going to be great crack and I'm really excited to see what this kind of run game looks like. Dan Campbell, you're a great man. You're a great motivator. But now you got to show me, yes, me personally, that you're a great <laughs> coach. That you're not just good at motivating people, but you're good at creating an environment where people can excel and be ready and prepared and win every week. So I'd be going 10 and 7, good for the tree seed, but going on the wild card, I think their upside is higher than that, but I need to see that they can genuinely put it together and be a consistent force in the NFL. Connor, I, I love your enthusiasm <laughs> and I want to live in that world. I mean, oh my God, the Lions in the Super Bowl would be the most amazing thing ever. Maybe next year, two years down the road. I have them 10th seed and winning the division. I have them winning a crunch week 18 game against the Vikings to get over the hump and win the division and everyone's ecstatic. Then yeah. they win their wild card. But I think there are two really good teams in the NFC. The Lions may well be the third best team in the NFC, but they're not as good as those two best teams. So I see them going out in the divisional to the 49ers or the Eagles, whoever has ended up with the two seed. Yeah, I think I think my one has them beating the 49ers in the divisional and then losing to the Eagles in the in the NFC Championship game. Fun times, ahoy for them. And depending on performances, that might not be enough to save Jared Goff, depending on what options are up in front of them. But uh, who knows? Excellent. So an exciting season ahead for the Lions. The Vikings, Ronan, I'll run us through the ins and outs. They've added Jordan Addison, Brandon Powell, Josh Oliver, Dwayne McBride, Jaron Hall to the offensive side. On the defensive side, they brought in Brian Flores, a defensive coordinator. Then they added Marcus Davenport, Dean Lowry, Jacqueline Roy, Byron Murphy, Joan Williams, uh, Mekdi Blackman, Jay Ward and Troy Reader. They lost Ed Donatel, their defensive coordinator, as well as Patrick Peterson, Cam Danzler, Duke Shelley, Shandon Sullivan, Chris Boyd, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith and Eric Kendricks from the defensive side and Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, BC Johnson and Irv Smith from the offensive side. It's been a bit of a confusing offseason, Ronan. They have been essentially putting themselves through a bit of cap hell to get out of where they were beforehand while somewhat staying the course. They have caught Dalvin Cook, who's been a fantastic performer for them to try and save money against the cap. Adam Thielen is gone, although he might be long in the suit. And they started getting rid of other players, trading them away off the team as well, just to try and obviously set themselves up for what the next era of Minnesota will look like. But does that mean that this era is is finished or do we think they've still got one more year in them? 
It's an interesting contrast to the Giants, who I talked about last week, because the Giants are were a younger team, and Brian Dayball has decided to take what he had and to go forward with it. Whereas it feels like Kevin O'Connell, who was in a similar position, first-year coach, took a disappointing team and took them to the playoffs, albeit under kind of winning a bunch of one-score games and getting actually hockeyed by said Giants team in the playoffs. But nevertheless, taking on the whole a relatively successful season. But he's decided to take those chips and to put that into the future. So this year, it's going to be mostly the same on the offense. So you're still going to have Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson doing most of the work. I think Madison, uh, the replacement running back, will probably be a step down from Dalvin Cook. But I think within that running uh, system, he should probably still be successful. He's always looked pretty solid as uh, the fill-in starter in previous weeks. And then you replace an aging, on the decline Adam Thielen with a exciting rookie in Jordan Addison. And you have KJ Osborne, who's been a solid wide receiver three. Maybe he wants to be the wide receiver two this year as Addison beds in. So I think on the offense, alongside Hawkinson, you have basically the makings of a the same kind of offense, which under O'Connell looked good, uh, brought in the Shanahan-type scheme, got the run game back going, had Kirk Cousins having one of his better seasons but obviously there is a limitation there and obviously Kirk Cousins is coming into his final year the noises suggest that they're not going to go ahead with him next year they're not going to talk to him until next offseason like basically between the end of the season and when he becomes a free agent so all the motivation in the world for Kirk all the chains cousins to do the job and to have another good year and get paid a bunch of money by uh, someone from the Shanahan tree next year maybe even the 49ers potentially that wouldn't surprise me that much so that would be fine and then the defense look the defense was so bad last year it's hard not to see it get better it was a situation where you had the Mike Zimmer defense uh, obviously he was a head coach but he was basically defensive coordinator as well and that was a very strong 4-3 traditional scheme and then they brought in a Gonadel, the Vic Fangio acolyte and he brought in his 3-4 scheme and it was one of the worst defenses in the league one of the worst defenses in NFL history like if, if Matt Patricia didn't exist as the worst offensive coordinator all time then Ed Donatel would have had the worst coordinator title of last year because uh, it was a huge schematic mismatch between the players that they had and what they wanted to run and then they were just incredibly poorly coached to run that system insofar as they could Play were running into each other wide receivers were getting open all the time it was just utter incompetence so it's hard not to see a guy like brian flores who i think everyone here in this podcast has a lot of respect for as uh, formerly as effectively defensive coordinator for the patriots as a head coach for miami it's hard for him not to come in a year further into getting rid of the people who don't suit the system and also just having you know, being someone more than just, here's Vic Vangelo's plan, please run that for me. He's a guy who's able to motivate players, who's able to get under the skin and get them hopefully in the right direction. Now, the problem is that's not a particularly talented defense. Like, I think, you know, they made a big risk, I think, bringing in Marcus Davenport to replace Darius Smith. He's a guy who's been very up and down, lots of upside, but never really done it for a full season with the Saints. And Daniel Hunter, I, I still more of a 4-3 end to me. I think he's a good enough player that you can play him in this kind of mismatch role, but I don't think he really suits the system. But they probably kept him just for financial reasons. And then when you go through the rest of it, it's like a lot of guys like Jordan Hicks is going to start for them. You know, Brian Osamoa is going to start from the middle linebacker. It's fine, but it's not a problem. Like, the defensive backfield feels like it's been a problem forever, so they bring in Byron Murphy. They hope Andrew Boot makes that second-year jump. They hope Harrison Smith has one more good year in him at strong safety. Uh, Bynum was solid at free safety. I wouldn't say it was great. And they're very thin outside of them in the defensive backfield, so you're hoping you know, maybe a rookie like Mickey Blackman steps up. So I think on the defense, the own, the two good things is, like, it can't be worse than last year, or very hard to be worse than last year. And Brian Flores feels like a better candidate to do some good stuff here but there's still a situation where this defense still feels like it's it's evolving away and I feel it's still probably at least one more year away from turning into a good unit but I think with all the points that they scored I don't really see why they would score less than last year they should still be able to put up enough points to be relevant in the wild card hunt, maybe even in, 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 in the divisional hunt depending how the Lions choose to, to, to live up to their expectations so you know it's it's class it's not as depressing as the Vikings that Sean used to hate the Mike Zimmer Vikings I think we're past that now into a new era and now in a little bit of a rebuilding stage kind of had to prepare for the future and kind of clear out the past uh, the guys uh, as you said like Thielen like Cook like Dalvin Tomlinson like Kendricks and stuff and move forward and like start refreshing this team and moving into a new era but I think this year with the Kirk Cousins I don't think they'll like, collapse completely they'll still be solid enough and in a weak NFC they still just feel like the perfect seventh seed and uh, I think we're all in agreement on that. How they get there, we'll see, depending how you feel about the rest of the conference. But that just feels like their level. Again, see you getting knocked out in the wild card round. Yeah, like this this team feels like it reflects 
Kirk Cousins pretty well in that like it's going to do fine uh, probably a little bit above average but isn't a true contender in any way the team is going to go as far as Kirk will take them and like we know there is a limit to that that is going to be probably to a winning records and probably to maybe playoffs but not really going too much further than that I like what they've started to build around and I think that they're going to have a really nice base next year for when they bring in a, a, a new quarterback because like you've got Justin Jefferson which is just a phenomenal base to build from they brought in Hawkinson on trade last year and he's played really well for them I think he's an excellent pass catching tight end in particular for them they've got the rookie Addison who hopefully will you know contribute in the way they're hoping to but they're building up a really good base and a really good system to put someone into and that's going to help Kirk Cousins for this year but I think their eye is on further down the road like Matheson will, will do a fine job he's not quite cook but he did well when he had to step in for him due to injury previously they'll probably want to add someone else into there like I said there's pieces on that defense nothing hugely standing out to me on it but like fine to good kind of level you know I do think they probably need a little bit more depth uh, at, at wide receiver because, like, it is kind of a like. Do you trust KJ Osborne? Like, who, who, who's who, who's your man behind Jefferson and the rookie? And not 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 to say that obviously them losing Thielen, he's he he's long in the tooth. He's probably past it. It's not that it's a huge loss, but it's that idea of having that other guy there that they don't have. Maybe maybe it's another tight end or something. But you know that have an have an additional piece. Last year was remarkable for them. The amount of single score games they won was just like so improbable that it won't happen again. But it's also a team that tends to keep itself in games because they do have the ability to score and because they have the likes of Justin Jefferson there. Then I think they're going to win a couple of close games. They're going to push their way up. I have a slightly higher outlook in terms of wins for them, but the result is pretty much the same as you said. Like I, I, I see them as a wild card or possibly challenge for the division, but not really go too much further than there. Kind of the old school AFC South special as we used to used to talk about. It's nice pieces. It's nice building. They're limited by Kirk Cousins and they are very clearly, I think in my mind, building towards not this year, but future years and having a setup for bringing someone into. It takes a very brave head coach or GM or management structure, whoever made the decision to have a team go 13 and four and instead of going, that's great, let's run it again, decide, no, we need to tear this all up and start again. To realize that it was a false season in a way that they, they looked good because of, of luck, essentially, that they really important game, the two games that really defined the Viking season were not any of the 13 wins. It was the 40 to three loss to the Cowboys, and it was losing the wildcard game to the Giants. So that was what the Vikings season really was in a nutshell that they were a, a good team who were hopelessly out of their depth against anybody of any quality and were ultimately going to be picked off by a, a better team i hate to say this about the vikings they've gotten used to being like oh the vikings move on to i'm intrigued to where this is going you know if this is the last year of the kurt cousins experiment and this team will never get above its current level with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. But if this is the end of it, this is the swan song, and then they're going to move on to a rookie or try and sign a big name, then this is a, this is a team to start getting excited about because they have one of the best wide receivers in, in the in the game, and Justin Jefferson. They've got an interesting rookie that they've brought in wide receiver. They've got TJ Hawkinson, who's, who's up there in terms of tight ends. They've Alexander Madison, who's an underrated uh, running back. And you put in a really good quarterback in that system, and suddenly that, that offense looks really good. It's not going to be a 2023. It's probably going to be the 2024 or 2025 Vikings before we can start to get excited about what this team can do offensively but it's nice to see that they're moving in that direction in terms of this season i struggle to see if they've made enough changes especially on the defensive side to overcome their deficiencies this was probably the worst defense that any 13 and 4 team or any team that's won more than say 10 games has ever had like they were incredibly bad for a team that that was as good or that had a record as good as the vikings did and they've okay they've got rid of the coordinator they've brought in blind forest that's obviously an upgrade they've moved out a couple of veterans i mean i think the loss of patrick peterson is going to hurt them a bit and i don't know if they necessarily made the replacements on that side to do it but it feels like the offense is maybe it's in transition but it's maybe a year ahead of what the defense was the defense needs a complete overhaul but i think they've only really just started that process 
it's going to take a while for Brian Flores to put a stamp on this defense and overcome the fact that they're, they just don't really have an awful lot of talent there and find out which pieces of this talent maybe can be a little bit better. So I, I see this team, because they have very good pieces in certain places, I see them being competitive. Uh, again, I, I think wildcard is about right for where they are, but I just can't see them really making an impact in this league with a defense that as bad as I had last season that I haven't really improved upon all that much and with, and with Kirk Cousins under center. Those are two things to me. As long as those two things remain true, this Vikings team has, has, a, has a ceiling on how good they can be. But once those things get fixed and you've got a, a coach... You've got a, a head coach uh, as good uh, as they have in Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, I can certainly see them being something really exciting down the line, but this has still got too much of the old Viking stamp. The we are perennially a 9-8 and eight or 8-9 eight and nine team stamp on them, and I don't think that's necessarily changed all that and much for me to move away from that as where I think that they're at. Yeah, so I have I'm a little bit higher. I have them winning one or two of the uh, of the one score games still this year. So I have them going eleven and six. It's good enough for the seventh seed. They sneak into the playoffs and they go out in the wild card round. I think Sean hit on the nail on the head there. I think you know similar to his mentor Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell's going the riskier route, and I don't think it'll be great this year. They go eight and nine for me, which happens to be good enough for the seventh seed because it's the Vikings' destiny. But better things ahead after getting knocked out in the wild card this year. Yeah, I have them 9 and 8, which is 7 seed uh, out in the wild card, as is written in the stars. Excellent. And finally, we'll come on to the Packers. Wow, so much change going on. They've added Jalen Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Lou Nichols III to the offense on the defensive side, Lucas Van Ness, Kobe Wooden, Carl Brooks, Harrington Valentine, Anthony Johnson, Travarius Moore, and Jonathan Owens. Obviously, the big news in the offseason, Aaron Rodgers has gone off to the Jets. They also lost a load of his favorites, a lot of them to the Jets as well. So Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes. Lewis all gone from the offense and Jaron Reed, Dean Larry and Adrian Amos gone from the defense. So we're into the love era in Green Bay and I think we're all, we're certainly all intrigued if not incredibly excited to see how this one is going to go. It's hard to gauge. We haven't seen a lot of love so far. So it's kind of a question of given the supporting systems around there, the coaching, they do have some weapons and things like that. Is this a spot that you have to imagine they've self-scouted as a decent, if not top-end quarterback can do in it? Because bear in mind, the coaching staff and the, the general manager negotiated a deal with Love that is, you know, good chunk less base salary than if he was to get his fifth year option but with some performance based incentives and it means he'll get a bite at the apple afterwards as well a little bit earlier if it goes well for him they're obviously not fully convinced but they're looking to roll the dice this year so let's look at his supporting cast here they have a very solid running back rotation in aaron jones and aj dylan although dylan didn't get a huge amount of a look in last year wide receiver wise they've got christian watson who came on particularly in the back end of last year that uh, Romeo Dobbs is a questionable second and then they've got kind of a mix of rookies that are going to be fighting it out to be kind of the next on it so Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft at tight end Dontavian Wicks Jalen Reed, people like that at wide receiver three their line is solid if not amazing names like David Bactieri people like that that you'd know on there so like they're not throwing love into a terrible situation he's not sitting behind like the Bears line of last year or things like that so it's a relatively solid if lacking in standout offense minus maybe the, the the running back position which is always a good thing to have for someone coming in on the defensive side of the ball it's an interesting question of what Joe Barry is going to be able to pull off because they've invested a huge amount of late in this side of the ball. So on the line, we're looking at Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark have been playing well. We got TJ Slayton, Preston Smith there, but you know, their first round rookie, Lucas Van Ness, Hercules, I believe was his nickname in college, is going to be trying to work in there and he's got all of the physical attributes you'd want. So that's fine. Run of the mill kind of linebacker middle of the defense there. And then, you know, they've got Jair 
Jair Alexander, who played particularly well, quarterback. Rasul Douglas is there, Darnell Savage, people like that. So it's fine, one or two good players, but like you kind of want to see a couple of these guys step up a bit. You'd like to see Lucas Van Ness come in and make some noise. You'd like to maybe see Kobe Wooden push his way into the into the lineup there as well. And maybe they could find a bit of safety help because obviously losing Adrian Amos is a bit of a pain in that for them. But there are certainly pieces there. This is also possibly, and you know, this is just my take on it, this is possibly Matt LaFleur's best chance he's had so far in his career to properly put his stamp down and say, this is what I am and this is why I should be considered. Up to this point, like Aaron Rodgers went through his previous head coach who we talked about last week, McCarthy, and they split at the end saying he was restricting him, that actually Rodgers was making all of the calls. He was adjusting everything at the line and it was basically Aaron Rodgers' offense. Matt LaFleur came in and initially there was some changes, but then it did revert back and there was animosity. And there's still question marks as to what the bearded boy is actually contributing, how much of it is him, how much of it is Rodgers. And then also just question about they were always good to to make the playoffs but would just kind of flame out in the playoffs and whether they can turn that around i don't think the pressure to succeed is going to be as high this year as you would think with the roster that is outside of the quarterback position this many years into its development i don't think they'll be necessarily expecting playoffs i think they want to figure out whether or not they've got enough in love to stick with him and build around him or whether they need to go back out to tender and find someone else to put in there and do a kind of a build from the ground up around someone but as i said i think they've given him a surrounding talent that even if he's not going to be able to find success or broad success in it you will be able to see enough to be able to assess whether or not he's capable of being successful in the system and whether or not he's someone that Lafleur will be able to actually work with because like I said elite running back tandem decent if not awe-inspiring offensive line and weapons on the outside for him to use all be them a little bit less than stellar but there are some strengths there particularly when you compare it to other rosters in the nfc so i would expect that we're going to see a fairly decent close to 500 maybe a little below season from the guys here i think we're going to see enough from love that he's not going to be straight for the chopping block but i think all the packers have managed to do with this renegotiation is push it one year down the road for them to be stuck in the same situation of not quite knowing if he's good enough for them to sign off on a long-term deal or not and we might be ending up looking at a spot where they get stuck in a way not massively dissimilar from the vines with ending up giving kind of short-term heavy guarantee laden contracts so that they can have their quarterback work with their quarterback but be able to get out of it if something better comes around because it does feel like a scenario where they'll stall a little bit this is a franchise that is used to a lot of success this is a franchise that went from Favre to Rodgers so like they're not going to be happy sitting with a potential wild card or you know maybe getting maybe getting a win they want to be doing the whole hog and I don't think they're used to sitting in this type of scenario so I think they might be more trigger happy on a rebuild if they think they don't have the pieces in place but I think it's going to be an all right year for them I think it's going to leave more questions at the end of it for what they're doing down the line but I don't think they're going to be contending this year i i think they're going to be pushing for 500 and 500 would be a successful season for them i struggle to even be as optimistic as you are connor it it feels like the the wheels were already coming off this project at the end of last year and now aaron Rodgers is gone and he's taken all his toys with him and they've replaced him with the inexperienced quarterback who anytime i've seen him has not really looked up to nfl starter standard and surrounded him with an incredibly young receiving core that's mostly rookies and then an occasional second year player in, in watson or dobbs Unless the the running, they completely turn this into a running game and build themselves around AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, which I can, I can see happening. Things start off quite badly. I struggle to see how this Packers team is going to hit the ground running offensively. I certainly think it's going to take five or six weeks before this team even figures out how its offense is supposed to work. Only then I think will we know if it's actually any good or not. And I have reservations 
about that. I don't think Jordan Love is the answer. I don't think the Packers fans are used to having this much patience with a quarterback. As you said, they've had basically 30 years nonstop of having an elite quarterback. The transition to a guy who's maybe not good enough or certainly is going to need time to develop is going to be a difficult transition for them. You lose Rodgers, but if you keep your veteran wide receivers around him, then you can transition a little bit more easily than it's uh, Jordan Love plus all these kids. I just I struggle to see how that's going to work, certainly for the first five or six weeks. So they're going to be relying an awful lot of their defense, which is quite good. And they do have some good pieces there up front. Gary and Clark are good. Jair Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks out there. Donald Savage is pretty good. Like There's definitely talent on that defensive side, but them... Plus the running game, if that is going to have to carry an awful lot of load, if the Packers are going to have anything like a successful season. And I suspect, especially on the offensive side, that they're not going to want to play that way. They're going to want to give this passing game at least a few weeks just to see if it'll work or not. And so I feel they're going to start off pretty slowly. Maybe things will pick up mid-season or, or late season, but I can see this starting very badly for the Packers. And certainly they're going to struggle to get anywhere near 500, in my opinion, because, because of whatever slow start they're going to have. But if it clicks then all well and good, but I, I, I struggle to see how it's going to happen. Yeah, so, you know, the, the Packers have bought a ticket to the Tunnel of Love, but if it doesn't work out, they're going to throw him overboard, basically, and he'll be the one to get the blame. I think the, the seat at that point, the water might be a little bit hot for Matt LaFleur, but I think he's got enough credit in the bank from his early years with the uh, Aaron Rodgers experiment to probably keep going, because unlike, say, the Dallas Cowboys, he's basically accountable to a board of you know, boring people and not a megalomaniac uh, like Jerry Jones in Dallas. So I think overall, I'm not sure what we'll see out of Jordan Love, particularly with such a young, raw receiving core around him. Like Christian Watson was explosive last year, but will he get those accurate balls that Aaron Rodgers was able to give him last year? As you said, Connor, it's really a bunch of rookies and Romeo Dubs behind them. So you really have no idea what's going to happen there. They have the low, they have the the floor at least of the good running back tandem of Jones and Dylan, and the offensive line. There's talented names there, but I want to see them come together um, and be healthy for a full year. So there's enough there that I could see them having a good enough offense, but. There's a lot of question marks, which is why I think we're all a little bit lower than certainly their ceiling could be. And on the defense, yeah, I think Joe Barry's just been disappointing, right? Like he's had a whole crap ton of picks invested into this defensive line. And there's been like good guys like Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark and stuff like that, and Jair Alexander. But the overall performance of the defense, despite having three or four, I'd say, blue chip type talents on it, has been disappointing. They've varied between like barely like a top 10 defense to last year falling to like a middle of the of the road defense like it, you know given all of those things you could just imagine if they would brought in someone like say Brian Flores that you could be really excited about what this defense could do but it just feels under Joe Barry it's stagnating it's not really going anywhere so this year look I think it's very hard to play where this where this team could be there's enough talent in defense that could make a, make a major step up obviously Jordan Love and this receiver core is a complete question mark so who knows how good that's going to be but I think on average, you would probably expect all of those uncertainties to fall, too many of them on the wrong side, and they'll end up having a relatively disappointing year. And Jordan Love will either be out the door or be facing some significant competition this time next year. But definitely a transition year for the Packers. Expectations are high, but you know, even if they made a wild card, I don't really see them going any further than that. Honestly, I don't think any of us even have them going quite that high this year. So I'm skewing on the upside, and I've given them eight wins. Uh, so that's eight and nine. So a relatively disappointing season, but showing some life and one or two of the rookies step up. Yeah, six and eleven for me, thirteenth uh, in the in the conference. But uh, yeah, they have some upside, but we'll see what they can do this year. Yeah, six and eleven and thirteenth for me as well. I think that puts them bottom of the division. Packers fans, speaking as a Pats fan who enjoyed 20 years of unbridled success, Packers fans get used to the dark times because they are coming. <laughs> what a lovely note to finish this on. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, any crackers yourself for the weekend, lads? I am going to discover more things about Waterford that I have not already discovered. Yes, that sounds certainly like a plan for yourself, Ronan. I'm still mostly uh, work-focused, uh, so probably... Mm, very good. I am off to Kerry for a wedding, so that'll be uh, good fun, exciting times. So I suppose that'll wrap us up. So for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.